All right, welcome to Making the Argument. Before we get started, I have a very important announcement. We have a brand new deal with GoodRanchers.com. That's right. If you go into Good Ranchers and you use promo code Nick and you sign up for one of their subscriptions, you're not only going to get $15 off, but do you remember the old deal where you got two pounds of ground beef with each order? Well, we just upped the game. That's right. You can choose top sirloin, salmon, chicken breast, or bacon now. Every single order you get on that subscription is going to come with free. Top sirloin, salmon, chicken breast, or bacon. You get to choose which one if you use promo code Nick. And again, $15 off on top of that. That's a savings of $480 in meat by signing up for one of those subscriptions. Not to mention the fact that if you are looking for a gift for someone that is impossible to shop for, you can go on to GoodRanchers.com and get one of their brand new gift boxes. Now, this is a limited time only offer. It's part of their overall Black Friday special. So go on to GoodRanchers.com to get more details. Sign up for promo code Nick and to get that deal and let's get on with the show. SBF, FTX, we have all kinds of acronyms flown around, but what we really know is that the second largest donor to the Democratic Party in the last midterm election cycle has apparently just defrauded tens of thousands of people that were investing in his crypto exchange. And this has caused a lot of speculation across the board, but here's what we need you to know is that there's a lot of people that bought into this, but now seem to be changing their tune. And we actually think that there's some hidden reasons that they're not telling us about on why they're doing what they're doing. We're going to explain all of that so that you'll be able to converse on this topic in a way that is intellectually sound coming up on this episode. We know the story broke a couple of weeks ago, but we wanted to wait till we had all of the information and our thoughts together before we talked about it with you. So if you have any thoughts on this issue and this topic, hope you let us know in our volley chat, which you can join at the link in the description of this show. I am your host, Nick Freitas, member of the Virginia House of Delegates, but other than that, a good person, my beautiful bride, Tina, Queen of the Bees. Hello, everyone. Our political prognosticator and resident historian, Christian Hines. Hello. And and crypto enthusiast. Oh, and crypto enthusiast. <laughs> yep. And then, of course, we also have uh, Nick Hamilton, the good Hamilton, the one that doesn't like central banking, which is also going to play into this conversation. Yep. And then, of course, producer of producers, the oh, wow. new producer of producers, Sour Patch Lids, <laughs> here to lay it out. For all of us. I am here. I have some of a layperson's grasp of crypto, so I'm really looking forward to today's conversation. I kept seeing FTX, and I can't wait to explain what's going on here. I'm in that boat with you. Um, I will say that I've always been a little bit leery of crypto because I, I can't quite wrap my brain around it. Um, so maybe you guys can explain a little bit. You know, someone like me, we might be wondering, gosh, can I even trust this? Can yeah. is I'm already leery. Should I just cut and run and, and not invest in any crypto? Is all crypto bad? And um, maybe you guys, because some of you guys are really into this stuff, maybe you can shed some light at, into whether or not all crypto is bad or just some crypto or what to watch for yeah. and whether or not we should be investing. Well, I mean, step one, you need to understand what currency is. And and this is uh, this sounds so fundamental, and people just say, oh, well, currency is dollars or Federal Reserve notes. Well, no, currency basically is just a medium of exchange that people will accept. And there's a lot of different theories on it. But what we know kind of historically and anthropologically is that in most cases, governments have controlled currency. Now, for most of human history, that usually meant something like something with intrinsic value, right? Silver, gold, it had value outside of being a currency. It actually had value as a commodity, right? But what we started to see was more of this push for what we call fiat currency or paper money, right? And 
especially as we started to get rid of like the gold standard or the silver standard or any other sort of like standard outside of it. And now in the United States, you're the only thing your money is backed by is the like United States government, right? Full the, faith and credit of the United yeah, States the, federal the government. The full faith and credit of the federal whatever government. Whatever that means. Yeah, whatever that means, that is the only thing backing your money in the United States. And what we've seen is that by removing any other standard, which usually used to be associated with what we called sound money, the government can simply just print off more pictures of dead presidents kind of whenever they feel like it. And what this caused was other people to look for an alternative medium of exchange that wasn't being controlled by central banks or governments, right? And that is where we see, you know, crypto. Real quick, Tina, my concern with this episode is not to convince you that crypto is a good thing or something that you should put your money into. If you walk out of this episode not convinced of doing that, that's just fine. I think what we are hoping to achieve here, though, with our listeners who may you know, reject crypto in every situation, is that we hope to keep future uh, the government from getting involved in this any deeper. Is that correct? Well, and Nick? also maybe tamp down some hysteria surrounding it, because I think sure. people have a tendency oh, to panic in this situation. I, I have seen people I have seen people call like in my thread when I was I was talking a little bit about cryptocurrency and what it potentially represents. And again, I wasn't saying go out and buy crypto. I was just saying this is a this is a private sector response to a lot of the inflationary monetary policy that that you see going on. Because crypto, especially Bitcoin as you looked at it, it worked off of this technology called blockchain and we won't get into all the technology, but think of it this way. It was a very kind of open and transparent way to see how a particular currency was being created. And that seems weird, right? Because we're talking about digital currency. We're not talking about something that you hold in your hand necessarily. We're just talking about digital currency. How could that possibly work? And, and blockchain helps to make it possible. And people's faith that if the technology behind the currency, behind the token, is something that can be understood. It's open. It's transparent. You can't just automatically create more tokens whenever you want. That gave people some comfort that, okay, this is going to be something that we can use as a medium of exchange, and we're not going to lose. The value of it is not going to be arbitrarily destroyed because a central bank decided to print a bunch of more money. Okay. Now, I that's all I was saying. And people are like, nope, it's the Antichrist, right? It is the mark of the beast. It's Guys, what cryptocurrency is at it, at its fundamental level is just a mechanism. It's a medium of exchange. Some coins might be really good and solid and transparent. Some goods, some coins might be managed horribly. Some token exchanges, which is different, and we'll talk about that, might be you know run very very well. Some might be run very very horribly, like FTX was. So we we need to stop demonizing the mechanism. And start recognizing that it can be good or bad depending on who's who's basically controlling it. So to clarify for people who maybe aren't aren't in the know on this stuff, uh, FTX was an exchange, not it, its own coin. Although they did have their own coin, correct? They have, and this is something where I might defer to Christian. But yeah, essentially they they weren't. There's two different things, right? You can own crypto by actually owning the, the digital key for each coin that you have. And that's when it's it's there, it's in your wallet, you have it. So a good way to think about that is if I have like the gold in my safe, I own that gold. Now I can also own you know gold over here that's operated by an exchange, but I don't physically have that gold, right? So, so you could be defrauded. You haven't taken possession of I it. I haven't so taken possession of it. Like, uh, so if you don't have possession, 
you're in danger of the, being defrauded. The reason why that's important is because FTX was a what we would call centralized exchange. Something like a MetaMask wallet, when you purchase crypto through that, you are working through a decentralized exchange. And Can when you explain you, why that would have been correct. needed? Right. So FTX came about, Coinbase, Robinhood started selling crypto for the convenience factor of its customers to purchase crypto and the ability to do that quickly. And then through a method that they were already familiar with because MetaMask gets very complicated with keys and passwords and different things of that nature. Now, it is the most secure method of purchasing crypto. I use a MetaMask wallet for some of my purchases. Um, but Robinhood, Coinbase, uh, FTX were all centralized exchanges. So when you purchase, let's say, $10,000 worth of Bitcoin through that exchange, you were purchasing the right to own that coin, but it is never physically in your digital wallet. And so that's how FTX was able to do this. They would take the money that you had given them to purchase a Bitcoin or Ethereum or whatever it might be, and then they were using that money in other places. But when I use something like MetaMask, um, I am purchasing actually purchasing that coin and it is physically in my digital wallet. And so there is no intermediary individual there, company who can screw anything up. And so FTX, Coinbase, Robinhood, they definitely serve a purpose at making crypto simpler and easier, but they also cause problems such as so this. So it's, it's basically people wanted the shortcut of being able to do it without having to think too heavily about it. Yeah, it's a lot easier. Okay. So considerably easier. That's kind of like a, a, a brief overview, I think, of, of like what crypto is. But the bear case is what we've seen before. So like a, a good example is Warren Buffett has actually said repeatedly that he thinks that cryptocurrency, all of it is a scam. Now, granted, he's a bit of an older guy. Yeah. He might not necessarily. I, he's a genius when it comes to investing in, in, in hard commodities. We've talked about this actually on the Y minutes before. He bought a whole railroad and that ended up being one of his greatest investments of all time. But when it comes to things like this, this is in some ways a little bit more intangible than a railroad, right? So He's naturally a little bit more skeptical because his argument is, is that there's no inherent value there. Buffett's entire investing strategy has always been around, can I buy something that will actually generate like free cash flow? Can I buy something that will generate actual value? And in some ways, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Shiba Inu, all of these, um, all of these cryptocurrencies or tokens – in some ways don't have inherent value because it's not like silver, for example, has value. Yeah. Even if nobody wants it, I mean, my phone has silver in it. Yeah. Our laptops use silver. Silver is uh, is used in all sorts of electronics, so there's actual value there. So um, what, what you're saying is the value of silver can be, e even if it was not determined by how the, the trading price of silver, it still ha is a commodity that well, has no, no, no. usefulness. Well, no, no, I'm arguing that, that a portion of the value in that trading price is predicated upon the practical application of silver said that in so products. Much than I did. <laughs> so here's an example. Let's say that historically for thousands of years, people interpreted gold and silver as a universal currency, so to speak. Now, people would mint different coins with it, right? You know, the Romans had different coins than the Chinese and the Persians, but they all used a combination of gold and silver, although we've also talked about on the Y minutes how the Romans ended up stopping yeah. the use of that, and that led to the collapse of their empire. But let's say that for a second, you know, we go off the silver or gold standard like we did in 1971 under Richard Nixon. Silver still carries value even though it's not legally recognized as a form of currency in the United States because there are things that silver can be used for and people want silver in order to put it into things like phones. Whereas Bitcoin is simply a medium of exchange. It's supposed to be a representation of value, not value in of itself. 
Now, that's the bear case. But the problem is, is that I actually think that that Buffett is a little bit wrong on this. I think he's certainly right when it comes to the boom bust cycle of crypto. Yeah. We've seen this repeatedly, right? Crypto surged in the the late 2010s, around 2017, 18, and then it crashed massively, and then it surged after 2020. And over the last year, we've seen it has crashed massively. I think crypto's down. I mean, crypto in general is down massively this year, but Bitcoin especially is down in a big way this past year. So I think Buffett got the the boom bust cycle of crypto correct, and the reasons for that I think are because a lot of people are using it for speculation rather than using it as an actual medium of exchange for value. Yes, yes. they're trying to use it as an investment vehicle rather than a way for me to pay you for a service yeah. or a good. But I think that in many ways Bitcoin and Ethereum, for that matter, utilize some of the best strengths of central banking without the pitfalls of it. I think that that if we want to be intellectually honest, there actually are a few strengths of fiat currency. I would just argue that the negative side effects of fiat currency massively outweigh the benefits of fiat currency. But cryptocurrency as a whole, good cryptocurrency, I don't mean scam coins, yeah, I mean yeah. I mean something like Bitcoin carry some of the strengths that you have within the fiat system without the pitfalls of the central bank itself because nobody can print bitcoin there's bitcoin miners but there's a limit to how much bitcoin can even be yeah. created and i know that you and i nick have had debates over whether or not because i've argued before that dogecoin will actually be a long-term uh medium of of currency more than bitcoin because dogecoin is inflationary but it's fixed to an algorithm you can't have a central bank coming in and deciding we're going to press some buttons and yeah. print five trillion bitcoins in in yeah. a matter it of five months it can be used to bail out some sort of political plan you know arbitrarily it, and it's there's, yes. there's there's math there's math behind you know how it's how it's and that, that was actually something that Milton Friedman advocated for with respect to the Federal Reserve. He said I'd replace the Federal Reserve with basically an algorithm. Um, and, and and again, we that, that's part of a larger debate over, you know, the yeah. Chicago school versus the Austrian school. And and look, there's strengths and weaknesses to both of them. The good news is, is that both of them are anti-Keynesian. Yeah. And I would argue that what happened with FTX and also what's happening with BlockFi and some of these other exchanges. Um, is that you're seeing the pitfalls of centralization, fiat currency, and central banking all kind of wrapped together. So, for example, Bitcoin, as I said earlier, has no inherent value, but as a medium of exchange and without a central bank running it, those are massive strengths. Well, can, can I say one thing on this? Because this is important. Because right, the, the intrinsic value of, of the mechanism of exchange, the medium of exchange, is important. But – like your fiat currency, and this is the part that I really want people to, to zero in on because this is important. Why does the fiat currency that the federal government issues, your little Federal Reserve notes, why does that have value as a medium of exchange? And here's what the MMT people will tell you and everything else. Because the government will accept it to pay taxes. So essentially, the reason why your Federal Reserve note has value as a medium of exchange, which means why will other people accept it as payment? It's because all of us will eventually have to pay taxes to the government or they will hurt us. And this is the mechanism they accept as payment. Wow. Right. So like that. that's why, because if you look, there, there's basically five characteristics of money. You got durability, portability, divisibility, uniformity limited supply and acceptability. What make there is nothing intrinsically valuable about a little piece of paper with the picture of a dead president on it. Nothing. So what gives it value? The fact that it, the government will accept it in taxes 
And since everybody has to pay taxes, they'll accept that as a medium of exchange. So just lest anybody believe that there's something like pure and wonderful about this over here. No, it's backed up by violence. Uh, and can I also add to, um, to to what you just said there and in and, 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 um, the comments that I made earlier, the the strength of this system versus the weakness of FTX is, I think, important to to identify, because what we what I don't, I don't know about other people, but what I don't want people to walk away from this conversation believing is FTX is proof that crypto, you know, Warren Buffett was right. Cryptocurrency is all a scam. You know, FTX proved that this is all, 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 you know, a hoax. We either need to heavily regulate it with the government or we just need to avoid it altogether. I'm not telling you, you know, go empty your bank account and go buy Bitcoin tomorrow because as I pointed out, Bitcoin is incredibly volatile because a lot of people are using it as, as try, you know, an investment tool. But you go to some of these countries that are very unstable. You go to countries in like Africa or South America. People use Bitcoin and Ethereum all the time because central banks and central governments in these countries are either incredibly corrupt, very unstable, or they've engaged in massive inflationary monetary policy that have completely destroyed the value of their currency yeah. there. Zimbabwe is a good example. Argentina is a good example. And people in some of these countries have been using increasingly things like Bitcoin and Ethereum as a form of currency, not as a get-rich-quick yep. scheme and not as a Ponzi scheme in order to defraud investors. So, you know, let, let's just put that away for a second now. And to pivot towards the actual story of FTX, I think that there's actually, and I was telling Nick this shortly before we began recording today, I think there's a lot of similarities between what happened with FTX and what you see happen within the Federal Reserve itself. I think the story of the collapse of FTX is really the failure of fractional reserve banking. I also think that it's similar to how you have a lot of these like tech companies on Wall Street that have never really turned a profit. They've been able to subsidize their existence through loose monetary policy and basically 0% interest rates for, what, 14 years until the Federal Reserve started turning both of those mechanisms off at the beginning of the year. And so you have a lot of these companies that popped up usually in the Bay Area um, that were basically funding themselves through the money printer. And one of the mechanisms that they would do that would be issue more shares of their stock. Yeah. They had no free cash flow. They had no earnings. Um, they had revenue, but their expenses and their stock-based compensation just massively, the, the stock-based compensation is a big one because this is actually going to get into the story of the founder of FTX. A lot of these companies would issue shares on the open market. They would sell it to investors who were buying the growth story behind it. Yep. Then they would take that money and they would plow it back into the business. Now, a good way to do that would be similar to what Jeff Bezos did with Amazon 20 years ago, where they were running at a net loss for a long time, right? But they were able to take their money and they were they, they put it in sound investments that over a long enough time span did pay off. They built things like Amazon Web Services yeah. that ended up being a moneymaker. And now Amazon is massively profitable. They actually choose to be unprofitable to go into new ventures. But that's not how a lot of these new companies have been operating in the last few years. They would take... Um, shares on the open market, they would sell it and then they would use stock-based compensation to pay their employees and they would turn executives in the company into billionaires. Yeah. Because if you printed, you know, 10 billion shares and you gave it to the CEO and you gave it to the treasurer and you gave it to the board members and you gave it to all of these executives in the company and then they could go out on the open market and sell it because people are still buying the stock because the growth story, suddenly they could convert these 
what should really be worthless shares into yeah. tangible money. Well, and I think that that gets into and Lydia, like you, you've done a you've done a lot of work on this, you know, lately, kind of going through this. I mean, when we talk about okay, so now we've kind of discussed. This is what crypto, this is what currency is. This is what crypto is. This is how it's different from like the dollar bill you have in your wallet. Um, there's crypto that you own kind of like on your own device, like in your own crypto wallet. And then there's crypto in the exchange. So FTX is an exchange, right? What made it different from Coinbase and Binance, which are not, whose CEOs are not standing right now in front of a camera explaining why $10 billion is gone. <laughs> Yeah, the other question is, so, are they engaging in any of the same things? Yeah. Right, good question. And for sure, it sounds to me like, just from my layperson's perspective, like FTX was finding a way to turn money into the speculative, well, to take the speculative power of cryptocurrency and turn it into real money that then you could use to, for example, prop up your favorite political figures <laughs> and sink into your own company. Ooh, so like who? that was just, <laughs> oh, I, there's many such cases. And I think we have an article about that. Not sure if we have that pulled up, but the corruption is just crazy. And I don't think it's fair to throw the baby out with a bathwater. I think you guys are right about cryptocurrency. Um, it's I've seen a lot on Twitter. Oh my gosh, I knew it was a scam. It's always been a scam. I'm like, you guys, I think are being short-sighted because the whole selling point of cryptocurrency to people who care about freedom and independence uh, and individualism is that you aren't in, you know, kowtowing to a governmental organization that decides randomly what this is worth and whether they're going to print more like crazy. So I think that it's important to keep a nuanced view and it's kind of hard to put in lay people's terms, but I think we're doing great. So we shall definitely continue and talk about what FTX was up to or whatever we have next. It's, it's a crazy story. Oh have gosh. you ever heard of FTX token? Well, <clears throat> well there's, a, there's a lot of people, I, I was listening <laughs> to this, there's a lot of people like, oh, this is a Ponzi scheme. This is Bernie Madoff. No, it isn't. It's actually a lot simpler. He just stole your crap. <laughs> like He didn't come up with some sort of elaborate system where new investors came in and he used this to pay off old investors and it was this constant pyramid scheme. Like, he, he stole your money. He gave it to another fund that he had set up called Alameda. Right. They were supposed to yes. invest all this actual money. And then the question was, is, OK, well, what was what was Alameda backed by? Oh, it was backed by a, a, a cryptocurrency. Which one? Oh, the FTX token. <laughs> so it's like, uh -huh. so it's like, OK, I'm going to set up an exchange where you come to my exchange and you basically pay me for the convenience of being able to purchase and own crypto. So you can, you can buy all these various coins. And, and oh, by the way, we're going to set up our own crypto coin as well called FTX token. So you, you give me your billions of dollars, right? Yeah. You, you buy these various coins. But again, like we said before, it's still sitting in the bank that I control, right? Or that SBF controls. And then he took massive amounts of that money and gave it to Alameda, which was, again, this whole separate company that he had that was, you know, conducting investments. An investment vehicle. It was an investment vehicle. And he did something else. He overnight became the second largest single donor to Democrat candidates. To Joe Biden. That's how he did in it. In 2020. To, yep. to he everybody. gave something yep. like $40 million. Oh, it, the only person that gave more money to Democratic candidates, and he did give some to GOP candidates as well that were strategically located yeah. in Congress, but the only person that gave more money to Democrat candidates than, than SBF was George Soros. So he yes, like overnight correct. became the single largest donor <laughs> to Democratic candidates like across the country. 
Why did he do that? That's been my question. <laughs> oh, what was he thinking might happen? He to knows him down how. The road? Yeah. He knows that you gotta, you know, uh, that the, 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 the squeaky wheel, you know, needs to be paid attention to more than anything else. So, as Nick pointed out, the thing that separates the government from everything else. This is why I fear the government more than I fear corporate America. As much as I dislike corporate America increasingly, mm-hmm. is because the government has machine guns yeah. and they can come to my door and they can track me off in the middle of the night. Now. Thank God in the United States, we traditionally don't have a history of that. But there's many countries in the world yeah. where that happens all the time. And that yeah. has happened throughout history. Um, Walmart can't do that to me. Um, yeah. But the federal government through, you know, the alphabet boys, they can. Yeah, well, as um, much as I don't as much as I don't like what Tim Cook is doing with Apple right now. Oh, yeah. Where, where I, he, where I, he goes overseas. with an Apple computer yeah. right here. But, by the way, for everybody listening. <laughs> Apple, if you're a shareholder of Apple like I am, now is the time for you to like speak up and say we do not like what this company yeah. is doing. Yeah. Kowtow into yeah. the CCP. Well, and I don't want to, yeah, because they, they literally shut down one of the only mechanisms that the protesters in the CCP could use to communicate yes. with one another that wasn't being directly monitored by the CCP. Right. But but the and the, that, that might be a whole nother topic yeah, for another it, podcast. It is. But, the, but the whole the whole point here, the whole point here is is that here's what I think SBF realized about all of this, right? Is that he he really got heavy into and he did this before he started FTX. He did this before he used to he used to trade he used to trade crypto as part of a different firm and and the way that he would do it is they would they would buy cryptocurrency where it was cheaper to buy within the United States. They'd buy it, they'd then sell it you know, like almost immediately over in other markets where they could get a higher value for it. It'd be an arbitrage. Yeah, it'd be an arbitrage investing. So he made a lot of money doing that, right? He was really big in this what they called effective altruism. And you listen to a word like effective altruism, like, well, that makes sense. I'm going to be generous or charitable, but I'm going to do it in a way that's actually effective. Okay, effective toward what? Well, it turns out that their version of effective altruism was largely on on a lot of woke projects mm-hmm. and Democrat politicians. And, and and there's even some indication that SBF wasn't totally buying into it. He just knew what to oh, say there's, publicly. There's text messages yeah. of him being like, yeah, you know, this is all performative stuff. You know, the, the, we're, we're basically BSing Shibboleth. our way through this because yeah. yep. what he realized was, is as I said earlier, right? Walmart can't drag me off in the middle of the night. The government can. Yeah. So what he was going for was regulatory capture. He wanted to buy the loyalty of yeah. the only people in the room that could have stopped him from getting away with what he did. When, and, keep and, and I don't mean that in a, in a sense that like, oh, so the solution is we just need to increase government oversight. No, 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 no. He wanted government yes. oversight because he wanted to monopolize the space that he was in. And basically right. he was going to cross the moat and then pull up the drawbridge behind him. That is the part people need to understand this term exactly. regulatory capture. What regulatory capture means is that basically when when an an entity within an industry, in this case, it's cryptocurrency or crypto exchanges. When they recognize that they're, they're in a field that isn't as regulated as perhaps other fields are right now, but they know that the government is going to move in that direction. What certain people in the private sector will then do is engage in massive cronyism. So they will, they will go to the government. They will go to the government. They will they will buddy up with the regulators. They'll buddy up with the politicians. They'll invest in their campaigns. And the whole purpose is, is they want in on writing the regulations. And then they write them in exactly. such a way. They write them in such a way that benefits them at the expense of their competition. Plus, it puts pressure on the administration that when you're deciding, like when the regulatory agencies are deciding, gosh, who are we going to focus our attention on? Well, you're sure as hell not going to focus it on the guy that just gave you $40 million to get right. help get you elected. 
That's what we mean when we talk about regulatory capture, right? It is this perverse mechanism where you have people within industry and within the private sector that team up with government to be able to give themselves regulatory cover and privilege. So all these that people running around right now, like I love this one, Elizabeth Warren, all these, oh, what we need is more government oversight. What we need is more of this. Oh, look at these, look at these wonderful businesses that are working with the government in order to protect the consumer. Please. They're working with the yeah. entity that they know can actually damage their competition and, and leave the consumer in a total rut where now they get monopolistic style privileges because of regulatory capture. So a lot of us watching this going, why would SBF, who who did it, all he basically was operating off of is like, okay, you got a crypto exchange and then you've created your FTX token. And now what you've done is something that is horribly like shady and unethical. You've taken investor money and you've given it to another investment vehicle, which you're not supposed to do with respect to what you're running right now. And then you invest in a bunch of things in, in the hopes that those investments would pay off. Well, then when all of a sudden people came and wanted to pull their money, wanted to sell their tokens. It was a run on the exchange. It was a run on the exchange, <laughs> right? Can I point out that the collapse of FTX and the Alameda thing is very similar to, imagine if you will, that um, there, there's actually a lot of similarities between that and the relationship between the Federal Reserve and the federal government. Mm -hmm. And here's what I mean by that. FTX was able to fund their entire business model because they had their own token, right? They have FTX token, which, by the way, um, <laughs> don't look at the chart for the, <laughs> the price performance on yeah. that. But um, that was supposed to be the thing backing up the, uh, um, the exchange. Well, what's the limit to how many FTX tokens there can be? Yeah. There's no limit. Okay, so you have a, it, it basically is is a fiat currency. It, imagine FTX was basically operating like a central bank mm -hmm. with its own fiat currency. And that's the thing that was propping the system up. And in a way, Alameda was operating like the federal government, yeah. right? So FTX would mint money, so to speak, electronically. And they were, um, you know, collecting money from people using their own token to back those um, those investments up. And then they would give that money to Alameda to then spend as they see fit. Well, how is that any different from the Federal Reserve printing banknotes, letting money printer go burr, going into the treasury market, buying treasuries, thus giving Congress trillions of dollars for them to spend how they see fit? If the federal, gov if the federal government was not able to use debt monetization to fund itself, the budget would be a lot different than it currently is or interest rates would be a lot oh. higher because if they had to if the federal government had to go to me to borrow money yeah. i wouldn't want 0.1% interest on it i'd be like i need at least 10% because i don't trust you guys no if if there is anything that people should take away from this it, it's it's not that it's not that crypto as a mechanism is automatically bad what they should be right. looking at is what were the mechanisms that they used to try to get away with this scheme and the answer is very similar to what your own federal government does with your currency. Yes. And the reason why you should be skeptical of what they're currently doing with the Federal Reserve, with federal monetary policy, with federal spending policy, is because if you don't like what FTX did, oh man, you're going to hate what your government's doing. <laughs> the difference Wait is- Wait till you hear about the Fed. Yeah, the difference is, is your government can get away with it because they can tax you. And why can they tax you? Because they can punish you if you don't pay. And yes. FTX <laughs> can't do that. Why can't FTX bail itself out the way that the federal government can? Because FTX can't show up with a- 
a person at your door with a gun and start confiscating your property, but the government can. In some ways, yes. as crazy as this sounds, in some ways, FTX is better than the federal government and the Federal Reserve. Because as <laughs> terrible as FTX was, as shady as their founder was, who decided, you know what? I don't actually really believe in any of this woke stuff, but you know what? That, that's where the power is. We're gonna bankroll the Democrats in the midterms and in 2020. He ended up becoming Joe Biden's second largest donor, as you pointed out. Um, as terrible as these people were, and as terrible as the business model was, the thing that separates FTX and the federal government is, when FTX collapsed, they weren't able to prop themselves up with machine guns. Yeah. The the yeah. entire the, the 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 different but but the and exact they weren't model they weren't the able to come way. and steal the plumbers' money in order to prop up their shareholders. Yes, right? they, they had to defraud people, right? Yep. But they couldn't force FTX could not force anybody to put any money in their exchange. Wow. They had to defraud people to do that, yeah. which is still bad, yeah. right? Still horrible. But they couldn't legally compel anybody to invest in them. Yeah. They couldn't legally mandate that you put their money, your money in their exchange, and then they could back up their exchange through the, the electronic printing of their own token that had no value. That, that the second that the whole thing collapsed, that people had a, uh, had a run on it, suddenly the value of that token went to zero, basically, or effectively zero. And the only reason why is because they don't have the machine guns. They can't yeah. go around and force people yeah. to do this. The federal government can. That's why I said earlier that there's a lot of similarities between the way that FTX and Alameda operated and the way the Federal Reserve and the federal government operates. Right. And the story with that, and Lydia, I'm, I, I want to get to you with this because you're the one that kind of discovered some of these things. Th this story here shouldn't be, oh, well, then the solution is we just need to give the federal government more power to regulate <laughs> yeah. these things. No, of the solution not. should right. be we should be <laughs> limiting federal power and and avoiding making it so that way people like Sam feel compelled to buy the loyalty of politicians because that's mm -hmm. the way that you succeed. If the federal government didn't yes. have the power that it had, how much you want to bet that if we had a Calvin Coolidge-sized federal government— mm -hmm that Sam bankrupt fraud wouldn't have gone <laughs> right. to the federal government and given millions of dollars to them because that's not where the power is. Yeah, exactly. And this is the perfect case study. So this gets into a lot of stuff. When I was learning about economics in high school, I was reading economics in one lesson by Henry Hazlitt. And one of the things that he always said was that the way you get a monopoly is by a company going in league with the government. Excuse my voice. I apologize. It's very interesting, though, because this is exactly what happened with FTX. He, it was like textbook. He went, he knew exactly what to do. He knew exactly how to get the funds. And then he knew how to make it so that he had regulatory capture. And the way to do that is by using the government to get your ends. And that's such a huge red flag. I'm so, I'm actually kind of glad this happened because it formed like such a perfect microcosm of everything we've been saying about monopolies and about monetary policy for so long and how politics is used to play this game and why it's such a problem. And when it's on the private level with like FTX and the FTX coin or whatever, you can see some of these huge issues, but with the government, they tend, we tend to consider it normal. So we have normalcy bias because this is just the way it's always been, at least to our memory, our grandparents' memory or whatever. But when you see it in real time and when you see a company really trying to take advantage of politicians for what is a functionally crony capitalism, it's jarring and people start to notice and pay attention. But I think the total wrong takeaway is that, oh, crypto's a scam. The real takeaway here is that the government has far too much influence on the economy 
as a whole more than it ever should have. And I think that's a, a powerful lesson for even the lay person to take away from this is that this should just be like a huge warning sign, like one of those big alarms in Homer Simpson's factory talking <laughs> about how everything's melting down. Seriously, because if this can happen on this small scale, imagine what's been happening at the federal scale in ways that we don't even see. No, I, I, I think to that point, what's interesting now is we're watching the narrative within the media because or if, lack thereof. If, S, if SBF, <laughs> if SBF was a huge donor to Ron DeSantis, he would oh have my. been tarred, feathered, and probably like dragged from his penthouse in the Bahamas, right, right. under immediate extradition and be riding in a cell somewhere, waiting, awaiting trial. But he wasn't. He was a massive donor to every woke cause that we are told we have to care about or else. And so the end result is now you look at the media narrative in the New York Times. He's still getting invited to speak about stuff. And I'm watching people that would never accept this kind of blatant fraud from anybody else. I am watching them sitting here looking like, you know what? This was a good kid that believed in effective altruism that was this giving so kid. much money away to these different funds and groups that were doing good work. And you know what? He just he just got he just got over he, he got over his head. He got over his head. And you know what? Gosh, he's gonna he's gonna have to pay for that. He's gonna have to learn his lesson. But you know, I, I don't think there was any I don't think there was any evil intent here. And then I watched as somebody said, Oh, oh, is is that your is that your your narrative? Okay, let's look at this. And he goes, he goes, so both your parents are compliance lawyers. You worked at a hedge fund. You installed back doors to avoid being detected. You violated the policy of not moving money from the exchange. You lied about funds being safe. Your compliance guy has a history of cover-ups. Like, no. This isn't some dumb kid that got over in his head. This is a kid that that basically sold us all a bill of goods and then appeared on stage with a bunch of really, really powerful people, both from the financial side and from the government side, right? And then everybody got on there and started to, because he was throwing out money, got on there and said, gosh, this is like the safest place to put your crypto. If you're worried about crypto, this is the, the first of all, if you've got a bunch of celebrities and politicians telling you this is the only safe place to put your crypto and that same crypto exchange is giving out, oh, I don't know, tens of millions of dollars to those same politicians, that's probably not the safest place to put your crypto, especially when it's being managed by a guy who's living with like nine other people in this beautiful penthouse in Bahamas, engaging, Bahamas. In, a, engaging in a bunch of, yeah, exactly, engaged in the Bahamas, engaged in a bunch of kind of like interesting, interesting actions, both professionally and um <laughs> Let's just say personally. personally. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, so no, that, but, but again, because he donated to the groups that woke progressives say you need to donate to, he's the, the, um, the transaction that's taking place here is you gave money to the people that we get, you got caught and you got caught so big that it's really hard for us to completely cover it up, but we can give you this out. And this out is, you were a crazy kid trying to. You shot for the stars, Bucko, and it just didn't work out. And you know what? This, oh, this the isn't, headlines that I've seen oh, are gushing disgusting. over this dude, Cringe. this guy. Cringe. Like, there's people that lost thousands of dollars on this, right? Because thousands. they watched it. <laughs> well, yep. I, I mean, some people lost tens of thousands, millions. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, yeah actually, but there's, there's a lot even, of other people that were like lower level. There's a lot of normal, investors. low level people that that you know they put in a paycheck into this and now yeah. that paycheck's gone forever. And hmm. all because they watched a YouTube video of some, you know, tech or finance guru 
who had a sponsorship with them. He, that's another thing. Uh, that's another thing too that he did was is that he went to so many. Coffeezilla has a video actually up about this on YouTube where he exposed like all of these different people that operated within like the investing tech and finance side of YouTube, and they had sponsorships with FTX. And a lot of those people are now putting out apology videos because of what happened. And what I find so fascinating is that this guy knew how to basically mold a narrative yep. through establishment media, through the corporate press, through Hollywood, through the government, and through YouTube in order to make everybody feel like that this was safe, in order to make everybody feel like that this was you know a sound investment. And not just that, that you were a good person by investing in it, yeah. right? Because I, I can't tell you how many times I saw videos where it was like, we can trust Sam because he drives an old car. Yeah. He's a billionaire who drives an old beat up car. He's a good guy. He gives $100 he, tips to random people. Yeah, it's, he wants to, he just wants to make the world a better place. Meanwhile, he's like dishing out $40 million to Joe Biden and, and, and being the second largest donor to the Democrats. Like, he thought that he had had built a system that was basically impossible to fail. Um, not necessarily too big to fail, but certainly impossible to fail. And then when it did fail, well, suddenly he was able to lean back on so many of the people whose loyalty he had effectively bought in order to write all these gushing stories about how, oh, man, this is a tragedy. Yeah. Uh, no, no, the tragedy's not on him. The yeah. tragedy's on the poor people that he took advantage he of defrauded. and defrauded. Yeah. It's not him that's the victim here. How, how? Here's my question. Especially, let's say he had been able to get away with this a little bit longer because there was other people in the crypto world that effectively exposed this for what it was. Mm -hmm. Like Binance had something to do with it. There was other people that were investigating this that could look at the code and realize that there was something problematic between the relationship with Alameda and everything else. Uh, but it wasn't the regulators that caught him. That's the part that infuriates me about this. <laughs> it was this. random dudes on YouTube that yes, got it. <laughs> that's the part that infuriates me is the same people that will now stand up with all this righteous indignation and say, see, this is why we need more government oversight and regulation. It's like you had it. Guess what? Guess what? It's illegal to defraud investors. Already illegal. It's illegal to steal. Already illegal. Right? It's illegal to do so many of the things that he was already doing. Why? Where maybe it's because the Biden administration was more focused on trying to censor Elon Musk or launch investigations of Twitter. Maybe it's because they were too busy, like, kowtowing to the Communist Chinese Party, right, that they weren't able to, I don't know, maybe look at the guy that is running an exchange in an incredibly shady way, but, oh, by the way, is giving you tens of millions of dollars. I was going to say, that last one's the real reason that right? nobody like, caught it. Stop pretending like the, the warning signs weren't there. The private sector caught the warning signs. The private sector saw that there was something wrong here. It was the government regulators that failed to do it either by direct incompetence or by turning a blind eye to somebody that was giving them a crap ton of money. Can I also point out that it was in some ways the private sector that punished him? Yep. It was FTX. The act of it wasn't the government that collapsed FTX. Nope. It was the private sector that collapsed. The market collapsed it. Oh, yeah. he's still sitting in his penthouse what? in the Bahamas right now. Like he, he's still. There's still like I think over a billion dollars just missing. Like just we don't know where it is right now. I, I bet SBF knows where it's at, right? But the regulators don't I know. Thought, the investors don't know. 
Right. I so, saw a rumor that he only has a hundred thousand dollars in his bank account right now, which I don't believe because, like you're saying, if there's a billion dollars missing, it's somewhere. He knows where it is. He's not saying. I'm sure he's only keeping one hundred thousand dollars in his bank account so that he can say, "I only have X amount." But I wanted to say you mentioned you brought up the topic of regulation, and I am really getting carried away with this conversation. It's very fascinating. But I wanted to point out that one of the biggest things he did for Democrats in Congress and for Democrat politicians was open the door to conversations about increasingly more regulation for cryptocurrency, which I, for anybody who's listening, who knows much about crypto at all, a lot of the draw is that it is so independent and it's free of government regulation and oversight as much as possible. Obviously you still have to pay taxes and everything on it. But I think that that might've been part of I wonder sometimes I'm a little conspiratorial. So sometimes I wonder about like whether Sam had an agreement. He's like, all right, I'm going to do this. I'm going to give you a lot of real money. And we're also going to figure out a way to regulate crypto. All you have to do is cover my back while I make this happen. I'm not saying that's what happened exactly. I'm just saying it's awfully convenient that they've been talking about regulating cryptocurrency for years now. And he really just opened the door. It's a huge thing. Everyone now either thinks crypto is a scam or that it needs to be regulated out the wazoo. And I really think that was part of, I feel like they had an agreement. They're like, here's what we're going to do. Make it happen. So I mean, that's the, what we're the, the, he basically I- inoculated himself against repercussions and exactly. insulated himself from from the regulations that would have taken place. Right? Well, they, they, the same right. people that benefited from him doing what he did, defrauding investors, are now going to benefit by getting the regulations that they want and by getting the power that they want and by exactly. destroying one of the largest one of the largest potential mechanisms for competition for federal monopoly of currency. So it, it's like yeah. the crazy part is the crazy part is for anybody that thinks that that the you know that the the state is losing out on this because oh yo gosh wow they got a real black eye because the the guy that they were propping up failed they are not they're not going to face any prosecution for it right they're not going to have to give back the campaign donations they already took the money it's it's not going to it's not <laughs> right. going to hurt them financially it's not going to hurt them politically in fact they've already found the way to benefit themselves politically from what just happened is there a way for these investors to do some kind of a class action lawsuit and demand that yes, all of and, these and they can all get on. paid out in FTX tokens? It's it's going to be really hard. I mean the the I mean can can they go after these political well, donations? I, so there there's talk that um I, I I'll, I'll say this and then I want to I I, I want to build off of what what Lydia and Nick said in, in a second. But but to answer your your question, Tina. The um, lawyers that clawed back um, after the Bernie Madoff scandal, um, there was a lot of lawsuits, obviously, and the lawyers for the victims of that were able to claw back, obviously not 100% of everything, but they were able to claw back like like 60 cents on a dollar or something like that from the the you know funds that were lost. Um, there's going to be similar times. It's going to be harder because we're talking about a completely different vehicle here. Um and we're talking about, you know, the these dollars being converted into multiple different forms of exchange first. Whereas with the Madoff scandal, you know, everything was conducted in U.S. dollars, basically. That and other hard assets that Madoff was, you know, taking the money and buying with, right? But with this, you're talking about a dollar being converted into forms of cryptocurrency at some point in that process. Some of that money being converted into the completely worthless FTX token. Like, so there's there's a little bit more difficulty here. Because a lot of this is intangible, where the Bernie Madoff scandal, a lot of it was just physical hard assets, right? Yeah. But 
there's a chance that you better believe the trial lawyers, they're going to be like, oh, yeah, victims, we're going to do everything we possibly can to claw back as much of the money that you've lost as possible. And we're going to go to the people that received the money. And the people that received the money are currently in Congress. So you think, so real quick, let's just, let's, because I disagree. Um, I agree that trial lawyers understand that they get a lot of money because it's, if, if, let's say the trial lawyers pull back a hundred million, 40 million of that goes to the trial lawyers. Like, oh yeah, yeah. They're going to, they're going to get their cut too. But, but the, but, but the reason why they're not going to do that is because one of the single largest donors to Democrat candidates are trial lawyers associations. Well, you're, you're currently seeing a handful of Democrats, not a lot, but a handful of them have announced that they're going to like give the money back that they received from him. Now, I don't know how many of the, I don't think Joe Biden's going to give $40 million back. Um, I, <laughs> but no. I like, We'll see. I mean, I think there's going to be clawback efforts. I just don't know how successful they're going to be. I'm willing to bet that it's going to be under 50%. But um, to to build off of what Nick and Lydia were saying right before that, um, I, the thing that I'm worried about the most with all of this is people saying, see, FTX is proof that we can't have these decentralized exchanges, which is not what this was. This was a yeah. centralized exchange. But, yeah. but these non- government regulated oversight that's what they're going to call it they're going to i guarantee you you're going to have some politicians call this decentralized this is the problem yep. with decentralization when this wasn't decentralized but their definition of decentralization is going to be a lot different than our definition of decentralization what they mean by that is not government controlled yeah right um the thing that i'm worried about is people saying see the problem with ftx is that it, this just wasn't backed by the gun the guys with machine guns yeah this is why we need central bank digital currencies yep that's I exactly guarantee what you that the the push Bingo. for central bank digital currencies is going to grow, not shrink after this. Normal people might look at this and be like, oh, see, this is why maybe maybe the 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 Warren Buffets of the world or your grandparents who you know don't necessarily understand how this works or are very skeptical of this type of stuff you know they're they're the people that are keeping the money under the mattress or stacking up gold bars they might look at this and be like see this is why i'm skeptical of all of this like digital stuff mm -hmm. but the way that certain activists on the left and certainly certain government operators maybe potentially across the political spectrum because we're seeing that currently in the uk it's the conservatives that are oh, pushing yeah, for it, it is right so I, i'm not even going to say this is just the left i'm going to say this is government yep right the way that you're going to see government respond to this is ftx collapsed because it did not have a monopoly on the use of force because the exact same That's business right. model that ftx used as i pointed out earlier is the exact same model that the federal reserve and the federal government operate under the reason ftx collapsed was they couldn't compel people to use the model and so, therefore, when people no longer had faith in the model, the model disintegrated. Well, as you pointed out, Nick, people are compelled to pay taxes in U.S. Yep. dollars in Federal Reserve notes. And so, guess what? The system can't fail if you use a central bank digital currency because what are you going to do? Go on a tax strike and then suddenly get thrown in jail or refuse yeah. to engage with the government and get thrown in jail. No matter what avenue you try to take, the end result is you get thrown in jail. Yeah. FTX can't throw. There is no FTX jail. They can't throw you in jail. Right. Yeah. And so I, I'm really, really worried that there's going to be increasingly maybe this won't happen overnight. This might actually be a transition over many years. And you're seeing this with the Fed now system. They're already setting this up. Now, the Federal Reserve's claiming that this isn't like a backdoor to a central bank digital currency. And you know what? That actually might not be their intention. I'm not going to necessarily go full conspiratorial and say they're setting this up because they want to do it. I don't actually necessarily know. I'm not going to I'm not going to presume to guess the intentions of like Jerome Powell and the folks at the Federal Reserve. But 
they're incorrect when they say this is not a backdoor to a central bank digital currency. It is. And like I said, I'm I'm really, really worried that that's going to be in the next like three to five years. That's going to be the push that you're going to see the government, you know, move us towards. Well, they always use things like this in order to I mean, embezzlement has happened since <laughs> forever and um, fraud has happened forever uh, with every type of money. And never let a crisis go to waste, right? right? And and it's always right. those type of things that cause cause them to, oh, well, we're going to prevent this next time. But what's funny about that is that this stuff still happens. Even with all of these regulations and 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 things with the stock market, you know, regulating them and and looking at every single minute detail, you still have people embezzling. You still have people defrauding their clients. You still have people misappropriating funds. Well, Tina, that's why we just need more government oversight. Well, it, right. I, I, yes. I, right. this, this comes to yep. capitalism. Every time it happens. Capitalism or free markets are supposed to be about profit and loss. Government systems are about profit and force, right? Like, they're, Ooh. yes. They're gonna, say, say that one more time. So free market systems are supposed to be about profit and loss. Government systems are about profit and force. And again, they, they can create a they can create a situation where as long as everything's going fine, great. But the moment it's not, they can apply a little bit of force to the situation in order to get the particular outcome they want at the expense of the people that don't have the ability to use force. You want a really good example of of what what you just brought up, Nick? The trucker protests in Canada at the beginning yeah. of this year. Imagine for a moment that Canada adopts and, and so I just brought up the danger of central bank digital currencies, but a lot of people don't know why it's dangerous. I just said it's dangerous. I just made a claim, but I didn't back it up. Here's why it's dangerous. Imagine for a moment Canada has a central bank digital currency and everybody is, uses it because everybody has to pay taxes, right? So the government can effectively softly compel everybody to use this system. Now, imagine um, the people of Canada are upset about the Trudeau's government's mandated COVID vaccinations, mandated lockdowns, shutting down the supply chain system, massive inflation, creating the largest, the second largest housing bubble in the entire world. These are things that Pierre are bringing up right now. Um, and so the truckers in Canada go to Ottawa, just like they did in February. They protest the government. They block all the lanes and everything. They, they park the, the trucks in front of the, the parliamentary building and they honk the horns all day long. No violence, no anything. They're just being a bit of a nuisance to the government. They're exercising their right to protest. Well, we saw what happened this year where Trudeau enacted the Emergencies Act. He basically declared effectively a soft form of martial law and used the police to physically remove the protesters, arrested many of them, froze their bank accounts. That was a big thing. Didn't they arrest people for bringing gasoline yes. to them? did everything possible to drag those people out of Ottawa. Did he change course once with anything? He didn't do He didn't concede an inch. Mm -hmm. He, he got pushback. He asked them to stop. They didn't stop. And they said, you know what? We'll stop when you lift these restrictions. That's as simple as that. And he said, no, that's not good enough. We're going to call an emergency and send in the military and the police and remove them by force. Now imagine for a moment, Canada has a central bank digital currency. And imagine what the government could do when they enact the Emergencies Act in that situation. Now, you can't walk in and use paper money or anything else to buy your coffee or your food or anything like that. You have to use it through the government coin. 
And they have the ability at any moment to be able to shut down your use of that coin, to be able to freeze your account to where now you have no mechanism for engaging in commerce. I mean, that's when you start getting into like Book of Revelation stuff. No, no. This is when you start getting into like 1984 meets Book of Revelations China. type of <laughs> yeah. stuff. Because yeah. and this, this is really China. You know what this is? Is a government backed soft form of a social credit system yeah. tied into the yes. money. And that and every there will be people look at this like oh, that's so conspiratorial. It You're is currently it. going on in China yeah. right now. And I'm watching as figures within the United I'm watching as like LeBron James, you, you know, gets furious and another member of the uh, one of the, um, you know, corporate members of the um, NBA because he actually he, he actually had the audacity to say maybe China shouldn't kill people. Of you know different ethnic or religious backgrounds, you know. Oh, oh my gosh! Well, you know what? They're, that this is a complex issue. I watched John Cena sit there and just fall over himself, apologizing to the people of China in Mandarin because he had dared to call Taiwan a nation. He had offended the sense of this. This is the thing that, the, and this is a bit these, of a, these are the, these are the same. The, we're talking about a regime that is currently welding people inside, like welding the door shut inside apartment complexes to enforce quarantine law, beating people, imprisoning them, political, like real political prisoners, not the garbage that the left talks about. And they the have like States. COVID passports where it's like, you can't yeah. Get on a train or travel outside of the city unless you have a green card. And guess what? If you protest, you don't get that. Yeah. And then, and, unless you and, think, and they've locked down social media so much that they were using AirDrop in order yes. to until, share things until, until Apple, until got Apple rid of it. did that. Yeah, yeah. They they removed the ability mm -hmm. to share far and wide. Yeah. And so, therefore, now, uh, I and mean, they're got, just in bed with them. You have American politicians, you have Klaus Schwab talking about. You know, oh, you know, the Chinese approach to be able to prevent the pandemic. Like, I'm sorry, you do not get to call the rest of us conspiracy theorists anymore when now we're just trying to predict what will you have the ability to do? What will you have the ability to do? Because you don't get to tell me I'm crazy anymore for saying, you know what, government, I'm not sure I want you to have that capability because I don't trust that the people that one day may, you know, wield the power within government will, will use that appropriately. Oh, you're you're just a crazy person. Am I? This really reminds me of the conversation that you had with that woman on the air, airplane talking about her being more comfortable with, with violence. violence than you are. And that's really what this boils down to is people want the force of violence to be able to compel their desires on other people. Well, because they don't, they, they don't think it's just their desire. They think it's the morally correct position and therefore anyone opposing them it is morally deficient. But anytime you use the government in order to compel people, there is the threat of violence or there is even just violence or removing things that belong to you. Yeah. So your property rights go away. Your autonomy goes away. Can I just point out that the motivations, and we've brought this up before on this podcast, the motivations of many of these people, this is where I'm not a conspiracy theorist. Yeah. Because I love history, right? And I've done a lot of, of reading of different eras in history. And I can tell you that it is very rare. It does happen, but it's very rare for genuinely evil to the core people to seize power. Most people in history engage in acts of evil because they think they're the good guy. Yeah. Everybody is the hero in their own story. There's very few people that wake up in the day and think, yes, I'm just going to torture people and, and inflict massive pain on people. And I know it's bad, but I don't care because I like doing bad. A lot of people instead will inflict massive pain on people because they think they're doing good. And 
Yeah, what's that quote? Who was it that I, had the quote? I have it up right now. Say it. This quote came from C.S. Lewis, and this is important. We had a whole episode talking about how in order for the most evil acts that we have witnessed throughout human history are seldom a result of a, a base quest for power or pleasure. It's usually done in the service of some sort of perverse moral imperative. And this is the way right. C.S. Lewis worded it. He goes, of all tyrannies, a tyranny exercised for the good of its victims may be the most oppressive. It may be better to live under robin, robber barons than under omnipotent moral busybodies. The robber baron's cruelty may sometimes sleep. His cupidity may at some point be satiated. But those who torment us for our own good will torment us without end, for they do so with yes. the approval of their own conscience. And how That's many, right. there's so many examples in the US, in Canada, in Europe that we can point to and we have pointed to on this podcast of exactly that. The problem that we have with the left in general is, and it isn't that necessarily every single person who's on the left is just inherently evil. I don't believe that. There's plenty of people on the left who have, have done horrible things, many things that I would classify as evil. But the reason that a lot of these people do these things is because they think they're the good guy. They think we're evil. Yeah. And they think that, that, that right. their actions in increasing the power of the state and imposing their will on society is an altruistic thing. It, if you wake up every single day and you think imposing your will on people is for their own good, you're going to be a lot more motivated to do it than if you wake up every day, every day thinking, you know, this isn't really a, ba a a good thing, but I'm 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 just addicted to doing it, and I know that I'm hurting these people, and your conscience is conflicted on it. Mm -hmm. But if you have no conflict within your own thought process of whether or not this is a good thing, there's no there's no objection to doing it. C.S. Lewis is completely right. Oh, and in fact, not only is there no objection to doing it, there becomes an infinite moral objection to not do it. Exactly. Like there become, it, it turns an impetus into, to do it. It turns into a compulsion to do it. You have to do it. It's your, it's your moral duty to achieve it. And anybody standing in your way is standing in the way of this greater moral good that you must achieve. I mean, it's just this, this, what this really comes down to is a degree of arrogance that Thomas Sowell writes about in The Vision of the Anointed. It's this idea that they have some sort of perverse notion that what they believe is so important that that any mechanism that needs to be used in order to carry it out and to achieve its end state is therefore morally justifiable no matter how many people get hurt in the process. And and it's it, these it's are things troubling. that these are things that Peterson warned and and I'll end with this. These are also things that Jordan Peterson has warned about. And you know what? These are also things that like writers like J.R.R. Tolkien warned about too. Mm -hmm. the, in some ways, the story of Lord of the Rings is how the ring itself is evil. And that's what so many people in the in the original part of the books don't understand. Like there, I, th I think there's that scene where Boromir is like, well, why don't we just take the ring and defeat Sauron with it? It's yeah, super this is powerful. A gift. This is and a what gift. he doesn't realize is that the ring itself is evil. And by taking possession of it in order to 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 facilitate what you think is a good end in the destruction of Sauron. Supposedly that's a good thing, right? But by using the ring to try to defeat Sauron, you yourself will become evil, even if you don't necessarily believe that you will. Corrupting and nature. It goes back to the right. old adage that power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. You might have the most noble intentions possible. You might think, you might look at it, something like FTX and say, well, we need to help these people and prevent something bad from happening again. And that's why we need to nationalize this. That's why we need to bring it under government control. That's why we need central bank digital currencies. And you know what? You might have good intentions, but first off, you will become corrupted over time as you achieve more power. And once you're gone, once you retire from office, 
There's no guarantee that the next guy that comes in will have the same altruistic motivations that you have. But guess what? He will have all the tools that you created. That's a great way to put it. Love the sum up. Look, the bottom line is if you learned a little bit something today about currency, about cryptocurrency, about the dangers of the narrative that we're seeing coming up around FTX and SBF and how the government and politicians are going to be able to use this to be able to increase their power, even though they're the ones that we should be viewing with skepticism because of this entire mess, then please leave us a comment in the section. Also consider joining our volley chat where we can actually have a more in-depth discussion with our viewers. Once again, thank you very much for being with us today and we will see you next episode once again thank you very much for listening if you want to support the show again one of the best ways you can do it is by heading over to goodranchers.com with promo code nick you're going to get 15 dollars off you sign up for one of those subscriptions and you're going to get up to 480 dollars of free meat with that subscription you get to pick top sirloin salmon chicken breast bacon it is all up to you plus if you're looking for gifts to get for the people that are impossible to shop for goodranchers.com also has gift boxes you need to act quick this is part of their overall black friday special So head on over to goodranchers.com, use promo code Nick, and once again, thank you for listening.